It was in 1997 that we were first introduced to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry and to all of the magic and wonder that surrounds the wizarding world. Founded around 990 AD, Hogwarts eventually became considered to be one of the finest magical institutions in the wizarding world. Accepting magical students from Britain and Ireland, Hogwarts has since served as a refuge and safe haven for those both within and outside of the wizarding world. But what if I told you that world once looked very different from the one you and I are so familiar with? For since the dawn of time, to quote the great 20th century theologian, Professor Charles Xavier, mankind has always feared that which it does not understand. Magic in particular is a mysterious quality. It has within it the power to inspire, wow, and awe, or to bring about fear, hatred. It was for this purpose that Hogwarts was established in the first place, to allow for magical persons to learn how to wield and control their abilities within a safe environment, away from any of the dangers that they may be faced from the outside world. Today, the Slug Club is prepared for a deep dive into the Hogwarts history, reviewing its inception, and unearthing any of the details or facts about its founding fathers that may have been lost in time. Hi, and welcome to the Slug Club, where all things Harry Potter and mischief are managed. I'm Justin, Hufflepuff Prefect and Tenor Two of the Frog Choir. Slug <laughs> <Long> Club. <laughs> but we also have pulling up a chair around the table, showcasing this morning's edition of the Daily Prophet. Featured on the front page is her husband, Raj, a recent winner of the Daily Prophet Grand Prize Galleon Draw, who just returned home from a month's vacation in India. It's our Slytherin friend, Liz. Raj has been inside of the Leaky Cauldron just telling everybody who will listen about the trip. Let me tell you about that trip. He was good for about two weeks, and then he wanted to come home the last three weeks. So, oh, Miss Kevin. Don't listen to him. You can also find Raj in a deleted scene in the newly released Secrets of Dumbledore movie. I believe he makes an appearance as an extra during one of the Bhutan scenes. <laughs> Jay. Bhutan's I have no comment because I haven't made it that far yet. Bhutan's <laughs> in the Himalayas. <laughs> Is Bhutan a real place? Yeah, it's a real it was place. Like- I thought it was like Patusan, where it's like, like oh, it's a made-up place. <laughs> That's a deep 80s cut I thought for it was anybody like Patusan listening. Or, or Gotham. No? Nobody? No, it's, a, it's, it's an actual country on the eastern edge of the Himalayas. <laughs> That's, That's close to India, right? <laughs> no. Liz. Wait, what, is, what does Google Earth say here? Oh, it's actually not too far. <laughs> you know? I hey, have when you're not in Asia, finished it's... watching the new movie yet, so and when I'm a typical Asia, American, you're... so my geography is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not far from India, but when you're in Asia, like everything is close to India and China. Oh, what a wasted reference, though. On the off chance that there's any listeners out there that that reference did not go over your heads, I join you, and I'm donning my tie-dye bandana and grabbing my surfboard. And I say to you, Kwan dudes. <laughs> but anyways, Raja told me that he was right up there in the running for the guy that gets thrown into the wall in uh, Secrets of Dumbledore. Oh, melded into it? Yeah. Well, Liz hasn't cool. gotten to that part of the movie yet. Also joining the Slug Club today, wearing her Justice for Johnny t-shirt, 
Number so- one fangirl in Ravenclaw, <laughs> Abby. Hey, everyone. I could hear I could hear Abby cheering from all the way here in California when the verdict was read. <laughs> I mean, were they both in it? Was like anyone truly innocent in that situation? No, I don't think so. No, no, they definitely weren't. But you know, I'm not mad about the outcome. Yeah, but say Johnny's that. getting 13 million out of it all. So he is. Imagine being told that he's awarded 15 and she's awarded two. Like, why couldn't they just say 13? To him? I was like, that's a roundabout way of saying that Johnny wins 13. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably going to be actually less um, because there's a cap in in uh, Virginia where they uh, where they did it. It's a, it, there's a cap in the state for how much you have to pay for punitive damages. Mm. Um, and it was split. It was like ten dollars and and ten million, and then it was like five million punitive damage damages. And apparently, she only has to pay like three hundred thousand of the punitive damages. Oh, I, I mean, I think more of anything, it was just like he wanted to clear his name because right, he didn't want like, the money. You know, family I, honor. That's yeah. right. And I hope yeah, Johnny yeah. Depp makes good on Amber Heard's pledge to uh to support those <laughs> children's hospitals. I use pledge synonymously. <laughs> I pledge. I pledge the money. You donated the money. Yeah, I pledged it. <laughs> <laughs> I pledged it. That is correct. <laughs> well, apparently not, because that's not what donated means. <laughs> Same thing, right? And also joining us, as always, is my brother Rob, who's never read the books. Hey, that's right. And uh, oh gosh, <laughs> I got nothing. I thought you were gonna set me up for something like. Something about I, I'm I'm mad now because you're ten or two and you know me that I'd be ten or two in the frog choir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ten or two in the toad choir. Professor Flitwick actually said that he cannot have both of us in the same section in the frog choir because we'd just be goofing off the entire time. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I'm going to baritone then. Ghoulay. <laughs> we'll be singing uh what's that what's that pirates uh pirates musical it's like pirates of, of zandabar or something like pirates of penzance that's right be like red ships of spain <laughs> red ships of spain <laughs> well he also did that other musical of julie andrews camelot oh right? yeah oh In trust camelot? me I, i'm familiar with robert goulet being being uh <laughs> being lancelot himself the godliest man I know, c'est moi. Oh gosh, I could do that entire song. Okay, I'll do the entire song. <laughs> the soul of a night should be. <laughs> but like we said earlier, we are going to be doing a deep dive on the founding fathers of Hogwarts. Um, as we're approaching July 4th, which is of course the Independence Day for us here in America. And we are thinking about and reminiscing about our founding fathers. We also wanted to highlight some of the founding fathers from the wizarding world and um, their importance and some of the key facts and little known details from them. And um, I thought that it would probably be most appropriate to do everyone's favorite house first, seeing that, you know, if we do Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff, we're probably going to lose all of our 10 viewers. Um, So so maybe we want to start with Gryffindor. Well, gladly. I mean, obviously... We're talking about the founders of the four Hogwarts houses. And you look at, like, the Mount Rushmore of Hogwarts, and then you've got Godric Gryffindor prominently displayed on the left. You know, with he gets a shoulder. You know what I mean? It's like Teddy Roosevelt just gets a head. 
Yep. You know, but not, George Washington's got the whole shoulder. Got the shoulder, the profile. Exactly. He's got a lot of real estate on that mountain. We took that we took that mountain from the Lakota people and we put our faces on it quite literally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got you I mean I feel I feel so patriotic though. I'm sorry because this isn't going to like maybe it won't play so well with our uh, with our domestic uh you know, audience. Uh, so I apologize for our for our Danish and uh, Ecuadorian communities that have been uh, so loyal to the podcast. And shout out to Lucia, by the way, <laughs> who has always been faithful to this podcast and always comments on the podcast whenever we post a question in the community tab. She is so quick to answer. I love hearing your responses. So glad to have you on board as one of the Slug Club members. And we consider you guys family alongside with us and so uh, i feel like this is like the patriotic day though because these are like the founding fathers and that you can just hear the you can hear the 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 fifes of the of the revolution in the background you know what i'm talking about back the in the days when they would have the drum when they would have the people in the front lines not carrying firearms instead they were sitting there with piccolos <laughs> and playing on drums and stuff it's like hey Instead of having our fiercest fighters in the front, let's take a bunch of twelve-year-olds. <laughs> What's it? Isn't there a Dave Chappelle skit where it's like, man, nobody wants to get killed to a soundtrack? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it doesn't seem to fit. But we've got the senior founding father, I would say, the George Washington of Hogwarts, if you will. No, nope. the the man himself, Godric Gryffindor. Godric Gryffindor, of course, being the most English of the four uh, members of the noble houses, the the founding members. And I'll tell you what I was surprised to hear was that they're all from England. They're all from Great Britain. Are they all from Britain? Well, maybe. Great Britain. (laughs) So that includes the Great Britain area. So like Scotland. I know we're really Ravenclaws from Scotland. Hufflepuffs from Wales. Um, Slytherin. Where's Slytherin from? from? He's from Ireland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. But Godric Gryffindor, or as the uh, as the uh, as the Sorting Hats calls him, Gryffindor from Wild Moor. We don't know the name oh. of the village that he was born in because the name since has become Godric's Hollow in honor of Godric Gryffindor, where many of the great Gryffindors of the of the twentieth century and the nineteenth century were born. The Dumbledores, the Potters basically the characters who matter and all of them all of them come out of godric's hollow godric's hollow is like tatooine in the harry potter world yeah yeah <laughs> it's like this nowhere place that somehow everybody comes from just keep going back i'm like man how many times do you can you just see sand <laughs> thousands of planets in the galaxy oh let's go back to tatooine let's go back to that place go back where it's to all just sand. Anyway, we've got Godric Gryffindor, though. Godric Gryffindor is described as a big, strong, you know, like, sta- uh, like what's the word that I want to use? Uh, a, a, a sturdy, broad-shouldered man, you know, large and uh, very uh, physically domineering. Uh, his, his hair is described as being like a lion's mane with his hair and his beard. You know, I imagine that Godric Gryffindor was one of the first uh, adapters of magic beard oils. You know, I'm sure that's where most of his alchemy uh, practice went to. But in his early life, he was down there in Godric's Hollow, uh, where he was described as being the best duelist 
of his time. Now, this is the 10th century. This is this is a time of dueling. This is this is before the Ministry of Magic. This are is like talking, basically the Wild West. These are the Dark Ages. Are we you talking dueling as in with wands, or are we talking dueling as in with swords? Well, interesting that you say that, Justin, because we know that Godric Gryffindor did have a sword commissioned. I'll talk about that just a little bit later. But he was known for dueling amongst muggles and against magic people. That he would duel with a sword <laughs> against muggles, which I guess is fair. You know? <laughs> like... <laughs> Which I guess is fair. (laughs) And then if things go south, you just pull out the piece of stick that's in your pocket, you know, and just and just hit them with you know a little bit of uh, a curse that was not unforgivable at the time. So we can't judge the past on that, you know. Oh my word! Hey, I know as we talked about with the unforgivable curses that before the Cruciatus curse was uh, banned as an unforgivable curse, this would have been in the 1700s that it was used commonly during duels. So you can imagine as it, and this is like the, this is what I'm talking about, whether the founding fathers, because you know, we, we vitalized them, but you know, they did some shady stuff in the past. (laughs) Godric, the man of courage and chivalry probably threw out a crucio once or twice, (laughs) (laughs) but he was a renowned duelist and Gryffindor actually was, you know, celebrated for, courage determination strength of heart chivalry so you know he probably had a lot of chivalrous uh traits of that time you know probably believed in in god's place for women being in the kitchen you know and and as keepers (laughs) of the household once again i don't believe it that's just the time and so i picture (laughs) i picture godger gryffindor like this guy that just lives out in the boon somewhere it's like god and country (laughs) i picture godger gryffindor is like the ron swanson of Hogwarts, like British Ron Swanson, you know, he's not, he's not excited about government. He believes in, he's a libertarian, believes that everybody should be, you know, courageous and, and chivalrous and, and the government shouldn't necessarily interfere in all of his cruciatus curses and his duels that he's doing. But maybe he's not like George Washington. Maybe he's like Andrew Jackson, our American president. I believe he was the ninth president. And he, uh, (laughs) Andrew Jackson, yeah, Andrew Jackson is a good Andrew Jackson literally had duels and killed people while he was president, yeah, (laughs) and then kept being president. (laughs) So, you know, you can imagine, uh, Godric Gryffindor, maybe, uh, I I hope I'm not popping too many bubbles, and I I don't mean to sound like a historical snob with uh, some of these things, but Gryffindor had a very close friend that he developed, uh, and surprisingly enough, the close friend of Gryffindor was. Another Hogwarts founder, oh, Salazar Slytherin. Like some dumb house elf. No, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Uh, but Salazar Slytherin and Godric Gryffindor were close friends um, for for much of their uh, young lives and young adulthood uh, until all the falling out happened. I'll allow Lizzie to cover that because that involves Slytherin's story. Yeah. Like um, but their friendship deteriorated. Yeah, yeah, it's it's basically Professor X and Magneto, except for except yeah. for uh, no human genocide. Oh, well, I mean, well, he did put a giant snake into the like, you know, most secret chambers of the castle to attack Muggleborn. So I mean, sure, but it was a little one when he left. Oh yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean. You just put a chicken egg under a toad. 
<laughs> and it hatches into a basilisk. And I'm not making that up because that's actually how no, it works. Accurate. Is that really how it egg. works? Yeah. 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 <laughs> if you take a chicken egg and you put it under a toad, and then that hatches into a into a murderous snake monster. I don't know how it works, but that's just the magical way of things. So how do you uh, keep the toad on the egg? You know, that's uh, a good question. Because, uh, you know, you know how flighty toads can be. It's not like toads have like an innate uh, instinct to sit on an egg. that flighty because Kevin went up to one and was sniffing the crap out of it. And he just sat there. Yeah. <laughs> toads feel very passive to me compared to frogs. Frogs I think are sometimes like, toads just wish... Yeah, yeah, frogs are go-getters. They're hopping about. Toads toads try to look like rocks, you know? <laughs> it's like, maybe if he thinks I'm just a rock, he'll just pee on me and leave it. <laughs> no, but, you, I mean, you you try putting a toad on a chicken egg, and that toad's going to be like, oh, man, I got to go over to be with Justin in the toad choir in 10 minutes. I can't be sticking around on this egg. Nope. And so just a little tiny one that's Slytherin left. And, and you know, it, maybe there were some some uh some bad intentions when it was when it was hatched but he didn't get to see any of that done uh but uh gryffindor uh also was part of the sorting hat uh story so when the when the four founders of the houses came together and they were all coming up with their philosophies the attributes the qualities that they would be looking for and the students that they would teach and so gryffindor took the hat off of his own head and they all put an enchantment onto the hat uh, that eventually would become the sorting hat, where it now, would wait a uh, second, find wait those a qualities second. to be able to see into the people. Yes. Did they all put an enchantment on the hat, or was it one particular founding father? Uh, maybe Hufflepuff, if that's what you're getting at here. Now, I don't I want to under the impression. credit from other people, but I do want to give credit to where credit is due, mostly because there's not much else credit to give that certain founder. <laughs> Maybe because there's not much else to say about certain founders. <laughs> but uh, actually, Gryffindor is involved in the process because he sneaks in an additional enchantment into the sorting hat, which is that if any Gryffindor is in trouble, and if they be worthy, they could reach into the sorting hat and they would be able to pull out the sword of Godric Gryffindor. The sword that Gryffindor carried. These are the two, you know, artifacts that Gryffindor left behind. He left the sword and he left the sorting hat behind. It's like no but, but the sword of Godric Gryffindor was also known uh, previously as the sword of Ragnac. Ragnac being uh, the great silversmith of the 10th century, oh. uh, who was a goblin. And uh, this man, Ragnac the First, I shouldn't call him man because he's a goblin. Or was that speciesist of me? I, I mean, he, I he is a male, male goblin. He is, he is male, but he is not man. What do you call a male goblin? Oh man, not like you call a, a lot female of goblin a goblinite or a glo- goblin. A goblin-ess? goblin-ess. <laughs> They're goblins. They're not. They're not humans. It's a goblin. But uh, Ragnac the First was a goblin silversmith uh, who was who worked with goblin rot uh, materials and goblin rot. Uh, Goblin wrought silver, which is what the sword is made of. It's made of silver, uh, mm-hmm. which doesn't sound like the best material to be building weapons with, with how like malleable silver is. It's not like it's steel or anything like that. Um, but hey, when you weave some magic in there, and can I just say it's kind of weird that the that the goblins who run the banks, their magic metal that they work with, of course it's silver. 
You know what I mean? I feel like I feel like we're playing on a little too many themes here with these goblins. But Ragnak the First actually spread a rumor around the goblin community that Godric Gryffindor had stolen the sword from him. And this led several of uh, the more uh, influenceable uh, goblins to go and to try to reclaim the sword from Godric Gryffindor. And I hear about these, these, these group of easily manipulated, easily coerced goblins who go back and they try to, they try to stop the steal as it were. You can just imagine <laughs> this group of goblins stop and the they've been told, the they've been, they've been told the sword has been stolen and it's just a, a miscarriage of justice. And so this group of goblins, you can imagine they probably got their weapons ready, their goblin armor on, you know, and they they marched on down to Gryffindor's house. Maybe it was even at Hogwarts. I can imagine they're, you know, trying to break into the windows at Hogwarts. And these Griffin and these goblins are like, we got to stop the steel. We got to stop the sword from being taken. And then what happens? Gryffindor knocks them all down, <laughs> knocks them all back, sends them running. And then for the next five years, they held committee hearings about the goblins. And that's how they got relegated to just being in charge of banks. Actually, Rob, I thought I heard that the that the stop the steal never happened. You know, I heard that that the uh, the knights that stand out front of Hogwarts just waved and just like gestured in these goblins as they were coming in. <laughs> there were They're no like, breaking oh, yeah, of windows. <laughs> there was no violence. Hey, Hogwarts is a big cap, a uh, big castle. I'm sure that over on the other side of the the castle, there was another group of goblins that they were just, you know, just just talking. <laughs> just on the other side. Meanwhile, at the front gates, man, all chaos was breaking out. And this group of goblins attack Gryffindor, and he uh, he, you know, defeats them with magic, and he tells them to go back to Ragnac threatening them that if they try to take the sword again, he will run the sword through each and every one of them until the goblins lay dead on the floor. So, you know, Ooh. courage. Chivalry. <laughs> chivalry. <laughs> so, you know, chivalry. Uh, but you got Gryffindor and his sword, and the sword of Gryffindor is made of goblin uh, wrought silver, so it's got all of those special uh, attributes to it, special qualities Mostly that it does not uh, take in dust. It repels mundane dirt. It doesn't rust, but it only takes in that which makes it stronger, which apparently only happens uh, like 900 years later when Harry Potter, you know, accidentally stabs it through the head of a basilisk and gives a, and impregnates the blade with basilisk venom. So it's able to. So that means that, like, if you just got cut by the sword of the Gryffindor from that point on, you're dead. That's crazy to think about. I mean, am I right about that? That, that, that seems, seems to be how it works. Becomes yeah. a lightsaber. <laughs> just, it's just like it's like that uh, that small pistol that Buford Mad Dog Tannen used. Becomes the golden gun. <laughs> last time I cut somebody with this, it took them three whole days to die. So that's Godric Gryffindor, you guys. But wait, Godric Rep Gryffindor. Oh, but I do want to also say that Godric Gryffindor has a portrait that still resides in uh, Hogwarts to this day. It's in the uh, grand staircase at the entrance hall side room. Prime real estate. Yeah, I know. In the seventh floor. <laughs> there oh, is it on the seventh landing. floor? <laughs> so if you're you ever at Hogwarts walking up seven flights of stairs, keep an eye out. 
you would think that those portraits would be like in the headmaster's office or close to the entrance of the school. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, like, I will say, I don't think I was aware that he would duel muggles, but it makes sense why he had a sword. Like, I always wondered, like, you have a wand. Like, why do you need a sword for? So Yeah, a yeah. sword doesn't seem very useful no, when people but... can just use a piece of Hollywood right. to kill you. <laughs> But I respect that it's like, you know what, if he was going to try and, you know, fight someone, he wanted to make sure there was some mild middle ground of, like, equality, you know. He, if he had beef with the muggle, he wasn't just going to, like, you know, jinx him or something like that. Sure, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, that's, that's part of the chivalry, is you fight fair. <laughs> I don't you know, it almost fair. seems like, it's something like Marty like McFly, he always had something up his sleeve when he was going out to duel, you know. If things went south, I'm sure he was pulling out that wand. You know, maybe, maybe, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe because he is the best duelist of his age. Um, so it's just like, maybe that just included all forms of dueling. Yeah. It doesn't say where he would have learned how to duel. Well, it's, it says here on the Harry Potter Wikipedia that he was highly skilled in muggle dueling using a sword in combat. Because that almost hints towards some kind of high status in life maybe from his family but he's also i um he's a pure blood right actually we don't know oh we don't know i mean it's safe to assume that he's not muggle born because he's friends with guy with a uh, salazar slytherin sure. right um but we don't really know his blood status so he's probably either pure blood or half blood but i mean also like, we don't know what his patronus would be Oh, yeah. I was going to say, well, also it was like a thousand years ago, so it would have been easier to be pure blood then, you know, because that was something that they've talked about how there's so there's not as many like witches and wizards available like now that it's like, you know, they were ending up like pairing off with like muggles or something and it was becoming well, sure. more common. So sure, they all been... died off of incest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, you just look at the black family tree. Yeah, it's not good. Like like looking at the McPoyles. <laughs> and there it is. There's the Sunny reference. <laughs> 200 years ago, these fields were littered with the McPoyles. <laughs> they were as countless as the white snow. <laughs> Wait, so you're telling me that magic people were more populous uh, during these uh, during this time, like the like the 10th century? I mean, I would assume, right? It, they talked about how it's like marrying muggles became more common. I mean, even think about like, um, you know, here in the U.S., um, you know, during like Fantastic Beasts, it was like a huge no-no to be with a muggle, you know? Mm, so, mm -hmm. so I don't know. Like, I just assume that's probably more of a modern thing. We can also talk about how... Uh... Obviously, his name is Gryffindor, and a griffin is a magical creature that is the body and head of a lion, but has the wings right. of an eagle. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the body of a lion with the head and wings of an eagle. But the house mascot isn't a griffin. It's a lion. Rob, I'm surprised that you didn't even talk about how Godric Gryffindor was the author of Lion of Love from Fire Saga. <laughs> I was willing to No, but Gryffindor did write an, or has another song that is uh, that is attributed to him. Uh, maybe you guys might be familiar with him. I know of a man 
with a sword in his arm, a magical man who's a master of charms. Gryffindor, Gryffindor, Gryffindor. What is that from? What this song is that? I know of a place. That's what the is that from? That's the indoors song from SpongeBob. Yeah. Oh. Indoors, indoors, indoors. I don't think right. I know that one. I forgot about that. That might be the only SpongeBob song I don't recall. That really like took me back. I was like, what is I this? Know this song? <laughs> it's a memory. I, I don't know, know this what melody. <laughs> I thought for sure it was gonna end up like Dayman. Ah. <laughs> Fighter of the Mogulman. <laughs> oh my goodness. But Gryffindor was a master of charms. You'd think that his uh, area of expertise would be defense against the dark arts. Right. I think that would Or would be it be dark arts? Or I was about to say, arts. I think I think the defense against the dark arts didn't happen until the dark arts was actually banned. Yeah, like, I mean, oh. you're not you're not mastering defense of the dark arts if you're going out seeking out duels with everybody you meet. No, I didn't say everybody. Muggles and wizards. But you know, when somebody challenges your family honor, you got you got to step up sometimes. Family it's honor. Wilder. It's the dark ages. There's no police. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> There's no aura department. What is it? Doesn't doesn't the ministry have a magical law enforcement department? It's not. But that's order. also. But the magical like law department is also run by a pure blood fanatic. Mm. I thought it was all auras. Isn't that the law enforcement? Who is it? It's the blonde guy. The blonde guy who's the uh, head of the magical law de law department. Blonde guy. Yeah, the blonde guy who walks through the place. This is in uh. This is in the Deathly Hallows when they're trying to get the locket from Umbridge. There is a Department of Magical Law Enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Well oh, done. former former head of the Aura Department. Harry Potter led the department. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, he didn't lead the department in book seven. Um, though his closest known predecessor in office was the Death Eater, Corbin Yaxley. Yaxley, that's there it. Probably, yeah. Blonde hair Yaxley. But the name Godric means God ruler. And I think that just speaks to who is the greatest of the founders, right? Or his parents put a lot of expectations. Who did on not him. make it into heaven? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a lot of uh, weight to put on your kid, little Godric. It's like, you know, you better be like a god. You are the God. You are God ruler. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for joining us for this episode of the Slug Club podcast. If you like the conversation and you want to hear more, you can find the Slug Club podcast on Spotify or also on Apple Podcasts. If you want to join in on the conversation and give us ideas for new conversations, new podcast episodes, you can follow us on our social media at the Slug Club on Instagram or on Facebook. We'll see you guys later, but until then... Mischief Managed. The Slug Club Podcast is a creative discussion between Harry Potter fans and has no affiliation whatsoever with Warner Brothers, J.K. Rowling, or any of their affiliates. All opinions expressed in the Slug Club Podcast are completely our own. No house elves were harmed in the making of this episode.